Good morning, Crossroads. Thank you, everyone, for being here this morning. For those of you who are joining us online, we thank you for tuning in. For everyone in the auditorium this morning, would you please stand? Let's worship this morning together. Here we go. Oh, come let us adore him. 
see that it was worth it when he returns to wipe away our tears. There will be a day when all will bow before him. There will be a day when death will be no more. Standing face to face with he who died and rose again. Holy, holy is the Lord. On that day, we join the resurrection and stand beside the heroes of the faith. With one voice, a thousand generations sing, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. And on that day, we join the resurrection and stand beside the heroes of the faith. With one voice, a thousand generations sing worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Forever He shall reign. So let it be today we shout the hymn of heaven with angels and the saints. We raise a mighty roar, glory to our God, who gave us life beyond the grave. Holy, holy is the Lord, so let it be today, we shout to Him of heaven, with angels and the saints, we raise a mighty roar. beyond the grave. Holy, holy is the Lord. Holy, holy is the Lord. Holy, holy is the Lord. Wow. Amen. You may be seated, please. We're so thankful that you are here today. What a great week we've had here at Crosswords. Uh, how many came to the concert Thursday or Friday, huh? Yeah, let's thank God for that. That was unbelievable. This place was rocking, literally. And uh, man, I'll tell you, Ernie Haas and Signature Sound, they, they did an incredible job. And I got to watch it twice, so that made me even more excited. So we really had a fun time here. And uh, I'm so thankful for all of you that brought friends. Many people came to know the Lord this week. Let's thank God for that. Amen. That's what it's all about, people coming to know Jesus. 
And so we're, we, we thank God for all that he's done and the, the wonderful opportunity that we had this week. And I want you to look forward to the uh, future opportunities that we have coming up here. Coming up here on Christmas Eve, 2 o'clock, 4 o'clock, or 6 o'clock. Those are our three services on Christmas Eve. And I just want to encourage you, bring a friend. Invite a friend. Make a friend if you don't have a friend, all right? And uh, just invite somebody. You know, Sandy Walshack, I heard her whistling. Where's she at? Sandy Walshack, she, uh, she had... She brought out half the church, I think, on Friday night, right? I think she had about eight rows of people here. And, uh, and then they went and had dessert. And Sandy, what did they do after they went and had dessert? Uh, they came to my house at eight. <laughs> so they went to her house and ate till about two in the morning, I think, right? Just twelve. Just till twelve. All right. She has a curfew. She kicks them out. All right. So she had all those people over to her house afterwards, and one of these years i got to get enough energy to go over there afterwards. But anyhow, we, uh, we thank God for those type of opportunities, and I want to encourage you to do, do the same on any given Sunday. Today we're starting a new series. It's called Home for Christmas. I want to encourage you for the next few weeks, invite somebody on Sunday. Um, people are looking for an opportunity to, uh, to come to God. I was with somebody the other day. Actually, somebody at the at the dessert theater, or not? No, the concert wasn't the man. I'm just old. I'm getting old, all right? So, at the at the concert, and I invited one of these one of somebody that was here, and I said, "Hey, I'd love for you to come up on Sunday." And this person looked at me and said, "That's all I needed was an invite." And they're planning to come. So I want to encourage you. I think there's so many people that you know. You know, when they see me, they're like, "Oh, it's the pastor," but when they see you, it's like, "Man, it's the real deal." And so I want to encourage you, take a step of faith and invite one person to sit with you on Christmas Eve or, or any given Sunday and see what God will do. So we're glad that you're here today. Aren't you glad to be here, man? God is just so good. God is so good. And uh, as, we, as we continue on, and we're going to sing another worship song here, it's, I just love the time of worship we've had already, just to honor the Lord and sing some of these Christmas songs that you only get to sing at Christmas time. But they're so rich in, in meaning, aren't they? So rich with the depth of who he is and who Jesus is. And uh, as we continue on this morning, I also want to encourage you to be praying for the birthday gift to Jesus fund. We've, uh, we've opened that up, and we ask everyone in our church to, uh, to make Jesus the top priority at Christmas. We've set a goal, and if you look in the bulletin, you'll see the insert there. There are $100,000 worth of projects in here of the, of the people that we're going to attempt to reach around the world and help. And so one of them today, uh, by the way, before I continue on, look, that thermometer is starting to, starting to move, isn't it? That says 30,000, folks. Thank God we're up to 30% in already. God is moving. So I want to encourage you to pray about your part. Give more to Jesus than anybody else on your Christmas list. And, uh, and I'll tell you what, when, when you do that, it just makes Christmas have a whole different meaning. And so I want to encourage you to teach your kids that. Uh, you know, go to your little ones and teach them, hey, we're giving to Jesus. Maybe you want to wrap a box up at home. It's symbolic so that they can see, hey, you're helping one of these. We send this all out. I want, one of the people I want to draw your attention to is John Fowler. John Fowler was a young teenager in this church. I actually baptized him right in the baptismal tank right behind us here and um, when he was in high school. He went out to become a missionary, and he's a missionary in Panama. He is now the director of Word of Life Panama. He directs a ministry for an entire country. From uh, Coming from a, a teenage boy that we had to, you know, he's skipping everything around here. And we had to lasso him in, and, and we just kept loving him, and God did the work in his life. And so I have a few pictures here we'll show up of John. Uh, a couple of the things here I wanted to show you. This is a picture of John Fowler here. You know, he's, uh, he's working in Panama 
And one of the other team members from Panama, she's on there as well. Yin, Yin Di Lu is her name. She's um, Chinese, and she's on, on the mission field in Panama. Isn't that cool? So she sent me these pictures, uh, a couple of these pictures, and said, Hey, John Fowler, seeing as he's American, helped us celebrate Thanksgiving. Panamarian, uh, Pan, people in Panama, I don't know what you call them, right? But people in Panama, <laughs> Panamadians, I don't know, that sounds a little weird, you know? Ah, Panama, all right. So anyhow, people in Panama don't typically celebrate Thanksgiving. It's not on their calendar. They don't get that as a holiday. They don't understand it. So he got a bunch of turkeys, and he figured it out, and he had Thanksgiving dinner with them. So we'll just show you a few of these pictures here. Here he is with his team. These are all the team that he serves with, and uh, they're from all over the place. But he is one of the few Americans on the team, and he's leading this team of internationals. And, uh, and so it's a powerful, uh, powerful ministry that they have. We'll keep going through a few of these pictures here. Here he is out doing some ministry. And, uh, you know, he's, all, he's, he's a people guy. He loves people. Look at all the kids that they go out and they reach and just some of the different events. I think we have another one here. This is his wife, Bianca. She's out doing ministry. Um, and then uh, here the, here's the two of them. They, they just really enjoy life together. And there he is, him and his wife and, and their three boys. And I don't know who the guy on the end is, but I know that's the three boys, right? But uh, I just uh, I want to just show you here that uh, God is working. And so when we give, these are the faces, some of the faces that are able to receive on the other end. And, uh, and you're seeing these kids. When, when they came here last year and visited, they stopped by the office, you know, and you talk to the kids and you say, hey, what's it like to grow up in another country? What's it like? You, you remember whenever your dad here, and then you remember when your dad said, hey, we're moving to Panama. What, what's it like? And you get to hear some of the, some of the feedback and some of how that, uh, it's just challenging to, to grow up in a different world, a different culture. And, um, and for them, it's just different. It's not bad. It's just different. And they are growing and they are learning and they're enjoying the ministry that God's given them. But I love to hear these people. I love to talk and I love to communicate. So I want to encourage you, too, if you would, um, if you'd begin to pray and pray for pray for the pray for our people in Panama, pray for our people all around the world. We have people all over the world that we are touching and we're bringing to Jesus Christ. And so um, there's people in Haiti, there's people in Africa, there's people in Afghanistan. Um, we, we're just we just got everybody on this list that we're just asking the Lord to work and move in a mighty way. So I want to ask you to pray about your part and give more to Jesus than anybody else. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father and our God, we come before you, Lord, and I just thank you for all that you've done, Lord. I pray that uh, you'll put your hand of, of, of mercy upon us, Lord, your hand of guidance, your hand of provision, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the way that you've been moving in our church family, and um, we just ask that you'll do what only you can do, Lord. Father, we ask that you'll continue to, to bless, that you'll continue to provide, Lord. God, that you would provide for, for this birthday gift of Jesus, Lord, as we seek to help families around the world that are going to be out there. We thank you for the Fowler family, Lord. And as they have gone to Panama this morning, Lord, uh, I know he loves it. His family loves it. They love the culture. They love the people. And, and there's a true joy and a privilege for them to be there. So, God, as we're on this end, we're, we're sending out some supplies for them to keep going about the ministry, to do the things that you've called them to do. Lord, I pray for just all those people on the list, our, our people in Ecuador, our people in Africa, our people in Haiti. God, the needs are so big around the world, and they're, they're big here, but they're mighty around the world, Lord. Just some people are looking for their next meal. And so, God, I pray that you will use our church family as we go to, to reach the world around us. 
And so, Lord, I just ask that you will do what only you can do, and we will, uh, we will give you the honor and the glory. Lord, I pray you'll bless each gift and each giver. We thank you today, Lord, for our family here at, the, at Crossroads. We thank you for each guest that is here today. And I just ask, Lord, that you will allow this to be a time where we just lift you up on high and we just uh, enjoy knowing you in a powerful way. In your precious name we pray. Amen.
Now that's uh, a, a of a lot, don't you? you? You think of you think of the feel of home, the sound of home, the smell of home. You, you think of the taste of home. You, you just think of every when you do certain things. You go down and you pull out these boxes that you haven't touched since January the fifth last year. Some of you take it down December twenty sixth. Scrooge, you know, I mean, it's just, you know, just tough on you, you know. But of course, you put it up in October, so I get it. So, but it's like, uh, you know, it, uh, you, you go through this and you put this stuff away, and every year we go through this and you pull it out and you say, oh. And then, you know, we have these discussions at house, you know, why don't we get something new? Well, but no, Grandma bought this lights. Well, those lights are going to burn the tree down, but no, Grandma bought them, so you got to say, you know, you have all these discussions and. And it's just so much nostalgia, and you look at things, and it, it triggers so many memories. There's a lot of memories that get triggered every year at Christmas. And, yeah, there, there's Grandma's recipe that triggers you. There's Grandma's sayings. Um, there's things that your dad did. I remember for, for our house, uh, Christmas was always fun. I, my mom did a good job of making Christmas fun for us. It was always a good memory. And uh, so I just remember sitting there and, and, and you know, uh, one year I told you before about the evil Knievel bikes that my parents got us. And, man, we thought we were the latest and greatest, and, uh, you know, because we had evil Knievel bicycles. They were BMX bikes, and, and uh, I'm still pretty bad on that thing. Anyhow, but uh, we, we, I mean, literally bad. <laughs> but uh, we, we, we had a good time. And as you go through Christmas, I realize that a lot of people have good memories, but all other people have some bad memories. There's things of Christmas that, man, you remember yesterday. You remember the good times, and there's now loss. My dad, who was with us for all of those Christmases, is no longer with us. And, and your grandparents are no longer with you. And maybe you've lost a family member this year, and it's really tough. I know a lot of our people, I'm just putting my arm around a number of our people right now. I'm saying, man, I remember last year. You know, you, you lost your loved one. It was right around this time last year. And I just put my arm around him and said, hey, listen, I know that, that home for Christmas is tough this year because you're remembering, and this is the first of everything. And we have a number of people that have just had loss in the recent weeks. And as you're walking through this journey, for you, Christmas is a little bit tough. And so what I want to take us on the journey today is to think as we start this series of Home for Christmas. Because Christmas is one of those seasons where there's a lot of activity, there's a lot of joy, there's a lot of fun. I mean, we had the concert, it's rocking and rolling, and uh, we're, we're, you know, there's so many things that the church is doing, so many things that you're doing, your kids are in concerts now, everything is back in full action. But when the dust settles, there's a moment of despair at times. And for not for uh, you know not everybody has that joy. As a matter of fact, I was reading that 45 percent Americans dread Christmas because they have a bad memory associated with it, uh, or they're missing. They they have a loss. They say, man, I you know I I just wish we could skip Christmas and get through this whole thing because man, it's just so hard. I remember whenever we were together and we're not. And those are some legit issues. Uh, depression at this time, from Thanksgiving to Christmas, depression just goes dramatically off the chart. When you would think that this is the, the happiest, the most wonderful time of the year, but yet depressions are going off the chart because people begin to become hopeless. And they begin to look at life and they say, man, I, am, uh, I remember the good times. I remember when it was good and it's not good anymore. Or maybe they remember some decisions that they've made. Like they have made some really bad decisions in life. Loss, you can't control when people have, have passed away. But there are decisions that you've made and you regret them and you're upset with yourself. And you say, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. And you start to beat yourself up. And we go into this moment of hopeless hopelessness. 
And our world that we live in today is so filled of hopelessness. Oh, not just because of the decisions that we made, but we live in a world that's filled without hope. And so there's no hope. And so no matter where you turn, people are turning everywhere to find hope, and they can't find hope. And so what is hope? Hope is not just like, hey, I'm going to change how I look at this thing. I'm talking about hope that says, man, I know there's something ahead. You know, there's a verse in the Scripture here this morning over in Proverbs, and I'll share with you this verse, and we'll put that on the screen. It says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. But a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. You know, when you're thinking about this, and and I want you to think about a kid that's hoping for Christmas. You keep telling him that Christmas is coming, you know, and and, and he has that hope. It helps you to get that kid through all the stuff you've got to do for the next 30 days. I guess we're less than 30 now, right? Next 20 days, right? It helps you. It helps you to, to, to say, hey, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. Christmas is coming. Christmas is coming. Christmas is coming. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And so in your life, there's things that you're looking for and hope deferred. That hope deferred. Like, man, you think that it's never coming. And when you, when you're looking for this, this amount of hope and, you know, it's like when you're thinking about that vacation. Right now, it's, you know, the season is turning. In the middle of January, what's, what helps you mentally get through the snow? You start looking for hope. And you start looking for vacations. And Travelocity website goes flying sky high in January, doesn't it? From Pittsburgh people, anyhow, right? We start looking how to get out of here because there's hope. And so I want to encourage you that the whole story of Christmas is about hope. The whole story of Christmas is about God said in, in, in Genesis that, listen, you, you know, if you eat of that tree, you will surely die. And we have all of humans that will surely die because we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so for three, four thousand years, the promise of the Messiah was given and there was hope today. Oh, it's coming. And so they kept looking forward to it, looking forward, looking forward to hope. As a matter of fact, the prophet Isaiah the prophet Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus comes, gives more and more prophecy. And as, as you get closer to the time of Jesus, it comes up and he gives us, gives us some, this verse. Let's read it together. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. There was a um, there was a man that survived the the, uh, the 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 Auschwitz prison camp during World War II. His name was Dr. Victor Frankel. He had a, a a background in psychology, and he even wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning. And he talked about hope, and he said this in his in his view. And he was looking how did some people make it through the camps. And others didn't. And he said this, that the prisoner who had lost faith in the future, his future was doomed. With his loss of belief in the future, he also lost his spiritual hold. He let himself decline and became subject to mental and physical decay. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, the prince of peace. This was given 700 years earlier. 700 years before Jesus comes on the scene. And I believe, like Dr. Frank, like Dr. Frankel says there, he says, listen, whenever we lose hope, we lose everything. And many of the people, the Israelites, they had lost everything. And I think today we're living in a world that says, man, we have lost hope. We are, we are hopeless 
And without God, we are helpless. And so what, what will make the difference in your life is when hope comes back in. And if we can place hope out there, all right, here's hope, and we're going to come after it, we're going to, we're going to follow to, through to the hope. So the children of Israel, there was, there's a promise, and the promise would, would eventually be fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. Isaiah gives so much. You know, Isaiah also foretold about the fact that Jesus would be born of a virgin, like it's, it's 700 years earlier, Isaiah, uh, Isaiah 7, 14, you go and read. It says that, the, that it would be born, the Messiah would come be born of a virgin. Uh, and Isaiah 53 says that he would be beaten. He would, uh, he would be beaten beyond recognition and he would take the sin of all of us on him. And so that's all there in Isaiah. It's all prophesied 700 years before Jesus shows up. So when Jesus shows up, it is hope fulfilled. But in the meantime... Today, we look forward whenever Jesus will return, but in the meantime. And I always tell people, you know, one of these days, Jesus is coming back, and this is going to be so exciting, but in the meantime, I have hope. And it's not, I think so, it's not, I maybe will happen. Hope is confidence that this is the future, and this future is coming, and this is what God has planned. I'm, I, I, on that verse there, his name will be called Wonderful Counselor. The mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. This is who this baby would be. This baby that would be born at Christmas time, this is who he would be. The, the scripture goes on and continues and says that uh, of his kingdom there would be no end. In his reign he will rule forever. And so that's the part of the, of the, uh, of the prophecy that will be fulfilled in the future. He will reign forever. Uh, his kingdom is already ruling right now. You're part of his kingdom. You, you, are, you are part of the kingdom of God. But there is coming a day, you go and read in the book of Revelation, when Jesus comes back and he's going to set up his earthly kingdom here and there will be a thousand year reign and we are all going to get to work for Jesus for a thousand years. Won't that be awesome? Like, man, no, there will be no more political corruption. Amen? Wow. It won't matter. It won't matter what party because Jesus will be in charge. Amen? Wow, I can't wait. Man, let's get that going now. Yeah, yeah, Jesus would have been in charge. And because he is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father of the Prince of Peace. So I want to look at these four qualities of who Jesus is and show you the hope that you need. Because if you're going through Christmas this year and you're saying, man, I'm really struggling right now because there's decisions I made that have really impacted my life and I wish I wouldn't have made them. You need the hope of the wonderful counselor today. You need the hope of the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Let's look, first of all, with Jesus as the, my wonderful counselor. He is your wonderful counselor. And as he is your counselor, I want you to know that you're never alone. And he's always revealing God's love for you. God is revealing his love for you. His love is magnanimous. And he is always revealing his love for you. And I want you to catch it because in the person of Jesus was all the love of God. And all the love of God went to the cross and paid for your sin. And as he comes and now he's your wonderful counselor. I want you to catch this. As your wonderful counselor, the, uh, Jesus is with you and he's speaking truth into you. He's speaking the love of, 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 of God the Father to you. So uh, look here at uh, Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2 says that in their hearts, 
may, uh, that, that their hearts may be encouraged. So he's saying, look, I want you to be encouraged. Being knit together as the family of God in love, attaining the riches of the full assurance of understanding. So we're, we're coming to know that the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, look what it continues on, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Jesus, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, all the wisdom of God is in Jesus. All the knowledge of God is in Jesus. So this little baby who came to be born, he has all the wisdom, all the knowledge of God. It is right there, and it is, he, is, he is in the person of Jesus. And Jesus says that he is the wonderful counselor here. So we know whatever Jesus says is true. When he walked about the earth and he did his ministry, you can be certain that everything that he said is true. Whenever Jesus, you have Jesus in your life, you've trusted Him as your personal Savior, He's with you. He'll never leave you. He's going to speak to you, and He speaks His truth to you. Wonderful counselor. I want you to catch it because some of the translations have a comma there, some of them don't. He's wonderful counselor. The idea behind wonderful is the sense of awe. It's the sense of there was something supernatural. It's a sense of the impact of the supernatural. So what happened was the supernatural God, the supernatural God is going to do things in your life and you're going to stand back and be in awe. You're going to have the sense of wonder. You know, you see them advertising Christmas like that. The wonder of Christmas. And all through the house, not a creature was stirring except for the mouse. And then you go in and you see that that's not the true wonder. The true wonder is what came in that manger. The true wonder was that Jesus is your wonderful counselor. And as the counselor, he always speaks truth to you. He always has time for you. He always has time to listen to you. And he always has time to speak to you. Look here at Romans 5.8. I love this. Look at the love that he has for you. But God demonstrated his own love for us. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the love of God and how powerful that the love of God is. That while your back was turned on God, the wonderful counselor came and he died on the cross and he paid for your sin. And when he did that, your back was turned on him. We were like the stubborn kid. You know, sometimes you tell your kid to do something and they, you, have a, you have a fight with them. You know, at least that happened in our house a couple times. You know, I want you to do this. No. What do you mean, no, I'm dead? No. I have some independence in our ham- family. And, and listen, so, so you have this battle that goes on. God said that when, you were, when he came to you, you were like, no. You, you, your back was turned on him. While you were still away from him, he came to you and he died on the cross. And he came to you, and I want you to catch this, not just so that you could have heaven and escape hell. Yeah, that's pretty big. But so that you could be with him. See, God desires a relationship with you. And so when he came to this earth and he paid for your sin, it was so that you could have a relationship with God. Yeah, not going to hell is a big deal. But I'll tell you what, having a relationship with God is a bigger deal. Bigger than heaven. Because you get to walk with God now. And the wonderful counselor is with you. One of the famous verses in all the Bible, for God so loved the world. Read it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. 
Man, this is the most famous verse. You see people at the football games, you know, John 3.16 on the, on the shirt. He's right there down there behind the thing. You know, John 3.16. Um, listen, it's the whole gospel. Everything is right there. I, I want to read an expanded version to you here. This is from the Amplified Bible. I'll leave that up on the screen. But as I read this, I just want, want you to catch a little of the depth. Because in that one verse is so powerful. And one time I gave a message on one verse of the Bible. One of these years we'll do a, a series. We'll call it One Verse. And you'll get out on time that day, all right? We'll call it One Verse. And uh, we'll do one verse each Sunday. And this is one of those verses because it has all the, all the power of everything that we need right in it. Amplified Bible says it like this. For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave up his only begotten his unique son, so that whoever believes in, whoever trusts in, clings to, relies on him, shall not perish, shall not come to destruction, shall not be lost, but shall have eternal, everlasting life. For God, the next verse, verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world in order to judge the world, to reject them, to condemn them, to pass sentence on the world, but that the world might find salvation and be made safe and sound through him. Jesus came to fulfill the judgment of God. You see, if I get what I deserve, you get what you deserve, it's judgment. But Jesus didn't come into the world for judging. He came into the world to be your substitute. And when he came in and was your substitute, that changed everything. And I love how the Amplified says it, that, the, that salvation and might, that would be found in him be made safe, that you might be made safe and sound through him. We're talking about home for Christmas. Home is a place of safety. At least it should be. When I think of home, my place is a fortress. Our house is the fortress. Man, my kids can come in there. They can be themselves. They can be mad at me. They can be mad at the world. It's a place of safety. They're always loved. They're always accepted. And you know what? That's what God has done for us on the cross. He has provided for you home. And it's not just heaven, not just a dwelling place. It's the home of the relationship. You see, because my home is wherever I go. And should I one day move off of Norman Avenue, which I don't foresee in my lifetime, but if I one day ended up moving off of Norman Avenue and went into another avenue, my home will be wherever I'm at and my kids will always come home for Christmas. God says, I want this relationship with you and I want you to come. I am your place of safety. I am the place where everything is okay. Do you realize how much this God loves you? I want you to catch this because the love of God is so big. God is so big. Um, just try to visualize this with me this morning. I'm going to put up a picture here. This is the, the picture of the, um, of the solar system, right? So you, you look at the, you have the sun and then you have Mercury there. You see Venus. You see Earth. Look how, number three, and look how small planet Earth is. Compared to Jupiter. You got Earth, you got Mars, then you got Jupiter, you got Saturn, and a few others, right? So, so you got, this is our solar system. And you see this, the sun, and you think, man, the God made our solar system. He made everything, right? So you, you've got Earth, and then you've got Jupiter. Look how big Jupiter is. And then you've got the sun, well, look here, and, and let's put up in comparison. 
there's the sun, there's the size of Jupiter, and there's Earth, and it's like this little speck. I was reading about the, the size of the sun. The, the size of the sun is so enormous. You could take our planet, and if you were to fill the size of the sun with our planet, you would have to have 365, I'm sorry, 965,000. 965,000 planet Earth to fill just our sun. You want to talk about a God who's big? This is Jesus, the wonderful counselor. He loves you. He's the one who created all this. And then you take, that's just in our galaxy. And then you take that and you multiply that. And I hear there's other stars that are even bigger than our sun. And, and you can go out there and you can see all this. And it's like, man, the magnitude of who God is. And sometimes you say, well, you know what? I just don't feel like I'm important. Let me tell you, the God of the universe has all this at his command. He's got all these stars. He's got all these planets. He keeps everything rolling. And he says, I still love you. And as a matter of fact, I'm coming to the earth to be your wonderful counselor. That's some pretty powerful love. You want to talk about love. You want to talk about the ability to love? If he can hold planets into space, if he can, he can, he can create things and he puts them there by his very word. You heard the statement years ago, I love you to the moon and back. Some of you probably still say that, right? I love you to the moon and back. Jesus loves you to the universe and back. He's got it all covered. That's how big our God is. The second quality that Isaiah says here, he says that he would be the mighty God. So you have this mighty God who has this enormity of love. He's your wonderful counselor. He's always, he, he's always with you. He'll never leave you, never forsake you, the Bible says. Just Jesus as the mighty God is in control of everything. And this is where, this is where life gets crazy. Sometimes we lose hope because we look at the circumstances of life and we forget about the other side. We're looking at these circumstances and we're trying to find something from these circumstances. But yet on the other side, Jesus is still in control. And Jesus is still in control of what's going on right now in your life. There are some pretty tough circumstances happening all over our church right now. My arm is being, I'm, I'm hugging like crazy right now because I know there's a lot of things that are happening. My prayer is, is heavy for many people in our church right now. But Jesus is the mighty God. He is in control. And I want you to write that down. Jesus is in control. This little baby who came and was born in the manger is the mighty God. He is still in control of all things. There's not one thing that he can't stop. And if this God could be on the cross, if Jesus could be on the cross, now remember, he's the one who just created all the galaxies that we were talking about. He's hanging on the cross. And if he can hang on that cross and he doesn't call the angels to help him, and he could, they were all at his command, why didn't he call the angels? Because God had another plan. And the plan was for your life so that you could be with God. And so as you're looking at your circumstances and you say, God, I know you can do this. Listen, I believe God can do anything. I know he can. I have witnessed his power firsthand in our church, in my life. He can do anything. He has done all kind of things and he will continue to do them. But he doesn't always do what our request is. If he always did what your request was, it'd be a vending machine. He's not a vending machine. He's God. And he knows what he's doing in your life. So he's the mighty God. Oh, don't misunderstand me. 
Jesus doesn't put bad things and Jesus doesn't do bad things. But I'll tell you what, there's not a bad thing that has happened that is out of his control. And he comes and he takes all the bad that happens in your life and he turns it into good. That's the kind of God that we serve. Um, remember, there can be no transformation without tribulation. And I, I resist that statement, don't you? <laughs> I want to be transformed. Well, no. We want to be comfortable, don't we? Yes, I want to be transformed, but I want to be comfortable. And God says, no, if you're going to be transformed, you have to be uncomfortable. And, and look, because of the hope that I've given you, the mighty God is with you. I like what James says. This was the brother of Jesus. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So be truly glad. There is, uh, there is I'm sorry, you went to the wrong verse. I'm, I'm sorry, I thought I had a third one. We'll go back there. So, there you go. I'm missing my TV up here. The buttons work better on the TV. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Count it all joy. Count it all joy. I, I like, again, the message translation says it well. Let me read it to you from the message translation. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You're like, okay, take that page out of the Bible. Wow. Consider it sheer joy when, 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 when troubles are coming at you from everywhere. You know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into open and show, and show its true colors. Your faith is forced to grow. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you may become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. You see, when you're in that pressure cooker, God is cooking. And, and He is working in your life. And He is making something beautiful. And you don't even know what He's cooking. All you know is that He is in charge and that He's working and that He's moving in a mighty way. He's doing what only He can do. Peter alludes to this as well. Look here at First Peter. He says, so be truly glad. Be truly glad. You know who Peter was talking to? He was talking to a group of Christians that were under uh, attack from Nero. Go read about Nero. You think we have a bad? Go read about Nero. Nero was persecuting Christians like crazy. Some of the worst persecutions ever of Christians was under the reign of Nero. And Peter says, so be truly glad. What? Peter. Peter always speaks out of turn, doesn't he? Peter's speaking truth here. He says, so be truly glad. Be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though that you have to endure many trials. He doesn't say, even though you have to endure a few. He says, even though you have to endure many trials for a little while. You see, because if you endure a trial this entire time you're alive, that's a little while compared to eternity. Look, we just saw the big, the big thing there. If you endure a trial for the next 50 years, it's a little while. Because I've got millions of years left with God. Billions. Trillions. Quadrillions. And I'll stop because you got the point. He says here, so be truly glad. Be truly glad. We'll go to the second page here. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. What? Peter, I like the love part better. It is being tested and the fire 
It's being tested as fire, and the fire tests and purifies gold. Just like fire tests and purifies gold, God is working your faith, and he's purifying it. Through your, though, your faith, um, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. Wow. This is the power of God. This is what God does. You know, I was reading about the atom. You know, there's a neutron, three parts to an atom. Do I have a picture of it? Maybe I don't. Okay. I'm not even going to quote them because I'll screw it up. All I know is there's a positive, a neutral, and a negative. And, I, and listen, I am the, if there's a guy that understands science, I'm way out there because it's not me. I don't understand. I haven't studied it. But all I know is I was reading this article about the atom. There a couple scientists said that they don't understand truly because the way that the, the positive attaches to the neutral. And the, and the negative goes around. And, I, and I'm, again, I'm, this is far. If you are an engineer in here, please forgive me for my ignorance. But I tell you, I read this article that said that they don't understand truly how the universe is held together. And I'll tell you this. I know how it's held together. Colossians 1.17 says that he, Jesus Christ, is before all things. He existed before all things, and he holds them all together. He holds all creation together. So there is a mystery that science will never be able to understand. It's Jesus holding everything together. And so, listen, I'm not knocking science. I think you should understand it. I think, listen, we have to understand it. God created it. But all I'm telling you is there's a part of it he hasn't revealed to us yet. And that's the part. Actually, he did reveal it to us. He just didn't let us discover everything under a microscope yet. It's under his microscope. And when we get to heaven... Some of those people that have been baffled, they're going to say, that's it. That's it. It was Jesus. And now you can understand why Romans says that all creation um, glorifies God. Like that you can come and you can know how you, if, if you say yes to creation, he gives you a little bit more. Because Jesus is present in creation. He holds it all together. I love that. Oh, my goodness. This is so incredible. I wish I had about four more days to talk to you about this. Oh, I do. It's called the rest of the month, right? Um, look at this picture. I have this picture here of the sunset. I took this on my camera. Pretty good photographer. If I would have had glasses, it would have been focused. My wife and I, we went to a conference here a few weeks ago. We were down in Florida. And somebody said, hey, you've got to go over to this beach over here. And, uh, and you've got to see the sunset. And I'm like, what? It's just the sunset. I live in western Pennsylvania. The sun comes up and goes down here every day. What's the big deal about that? And so I go down there, and, um, and we were blown away. Because we only see the sun from, like, here. Like, it, it comes up here and here. We have these mountains that shadow us. And you're at sea level, man. That baby, this was on, I think it's called Captiva. And so we went, and I drove out there. And they said, hey, uh, you know, there's signs everywhere. It says, no parking, you'll be towed away. And so I was going to go to the real lot, and it was under construction because we were there in off-season. So it's under construction. So I was like, Rhonda, who cares? We'll just park here. She goes, the sign says go away. I said, Rhonda, it's just a sign. Come on. She goes, we're going to get towed away. It's a rental car. We're going to... I was like, honey, the sun, I Googled it. The sun is going down, and everything on Google is true, right? So we know what time the sun's going down. So so we, we, we get down there, and I couldn't believe, like, 
it was a big deal because everybody was racing to see the sun. Everybody was racing to see the sun. And as the sun goes down, man, all these people were, everybody's got their cameras out and they got cameras far better than me. And so I pulled this out and I'm like, even I was mesmerized. I'm colorblind. I see about like two colors. Everybody was going wild. Look at the colors. And look, it was so cool. And we just watched it and it just went boom, 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 boom. And I looked at my wife. She goes, we got to come back tomorrow <laughs> and get a real parking space. Because all she could think about the whole time was getting towed. And I'm like, that was unbelievable. And I'll just let you know it was cold. When a pastor goes to Florida, it's always cold. I just want you to know that it was cold. It was chilly. It was windy. And we're not a cloud in the sky. And you know, it happens again tomorrow. And... And then we're the crazy people who move the clock up one hour. Like, who would do that? And we get to see this at 5 o'clock down there. And so we went back the next day, and, man, I started at 3 o'clock looking for that thing. And it was like, this is the God. He's the mighty God. He has everything in control. And let me say this to you. He has, there's not one thing that is happening in your life that is out of his command. And he says to cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. That's what God wants you to do. That's his desire for you. Because he is the, uh, the mighty God. He's the everlasting father. And because he's the everlasting father, you know what that means? It means that he keeps his promises. Everything that he said will come true. All of his promises will come true. Oh, Hebrews 1.3 says that Jesus, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of God. Listen, this is the very image of God. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being of God. Sustaining all things by his powerful word. He upholds, he sustains all things by his powerful word. And so that means that God keeps his promises. So if God keeps his promises, what does that mean for you? You're going through hopelessness. I want to encourage you. There's hope. You don't get over your circumstances. You get through them. Because there's hope. And the hope is Jesus. And, and so what do you do if his word, if his promises are true? And you come to a verse like Psalm 46. It says, God is our refuge and our strength. He is a very present help in a time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change and the, and the mountains slip into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam, uh, though the mountains quake at its swelling, God is our refuge and strength. We will not fear. What do you do at that point whenever you see that? Because God keeps his promise, you can believe it. What do you do when you see Psalm 92, 12 and 13? It says that the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. Man. I want to be a palm tree, don't you? I'd be a pretty good-looking palm tree. The righteous will flourish, man. Them palm trees, they, you know, you ever see a palm tree? I, that, when we were in Florida, I couldn't believe it. I was like, honey, to think that some of these trees survived how many hurricanes? You watch them on the news, man. There's all, you know, isn't that cool? They always find at least one of them, you know? And the weatherman's going, oh. and that tree got it figured out, right? 
It will survive. You will survive. Uh, Psalm 84.11, The Lord is a sun and a shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing does He withhold from His children. What do you do when you see that? You can believe it because the promises of God. How about John 14.3? Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come back and take you to be with me so that where I am, you may be also. What do you do? You can believe it. You can bank your life on it. The fourth quality of that verse this morning, and man, this is really a whole series packed into one day, but the fourth quality of that verse, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He's made peace between me and God. Between you and God, He's made peace. The good news is that Jesus took the punishment Himself that was due for me. For every sin I've ever committed, He put it on Jesus. And it was taken. And there's no more war between me and God. There's hope. Man, look at here at Colossians 1.19. For God was pleased to have all the fullness dwell in Jesus and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, to bring people back to Him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through His blood. Jesus made peace through His blood. As we wrap up this morning, I'm reminded of a, a missionary. His name was Don Richardson. Don Richardson was, uh, was a missionary in Indonesia, out there with some of the, I believe it was the Swahi tribe. And uh, what he was doing was he was going out and he was working with, uh, with these people that were cannibalistic. And you can look this up, Don Richardson, I believe he's from Canada. And he went out and he's working in, with, the, with these tribal people, the cannibalistic people, and he was trying to bring them to Christ. And then he found out that what these people did, whenever they had a problem with another tribe, they would try and, and, you know, to come and attack them and kill them. What they would do is they would first butter them up. And they would fatten them. They're cannibalistic, so they're fattening them. And then they would kill them. But whenever they wanted to make peace, When they they wanted to make peace with another tribe, when one tribe wanted to make peace with another tribe, they would come and they would take the newest baby. And they would come and they would take the newest baby and they would give that baby to the other tribe. And it was known as the peace child. And so if if one tribe was making peace with another tribe, the the way that they would show that the, the, the peace was real was here is the peace child. And that peace child was the symbol and it said, hey, listen, this is real. We're making peace because we're not going to let you kill us. You're not going to kill my child. I'm, we're giving you peace. We're, we're sacrificing, but this isn't, you're not going to sacrifice this child. This is now peace. We're having peace. And all I could think of, that's what Christmas is. It's about the peace child. It's about the war between God and man. And God is not sitting here zapping your life because there's bad things happening in your life. It's not God zapping you. God came with the peace child. With literally the Prince of Peace. And God came and said, here it is. The peace child. And I'm giving you the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And He'll be with you forever. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I want to invite you to come home for Christmas. Home to the cross. Home to understanding what Jesus has done for you and 
and just realize that, hey, Jesus loves you. And I know right now these things are beyond comprehension in your life. The circumstances are beyond comprehension. But when you take and you look for hope, I'm going to ask you this morning to respond to Jesus. Which one of those four areas of hope did God talk to you? Was it understanding his love this morning? That he is, that he is so big and he, his love for you is amazing. Uh, how, about, uh, how about the fact that he's the mighty God? That everything's in control and you can rest, you have hope. Even though things don't look good, there's hope. Uh, how about maybe it is the, the, the mighty God, maybe it's the everlasting Father, he keeps his promises. Or maybe it's the fact that he made peace. Are you willing to accept his peace? Father God, I pray you'll be with each person this morning as we respond to you, as we, we thank you, Lord. For those in the room that have not trusted you yet, Lord, um, I pray, Father, that you'll open their hearts Open our hearts to make this personal, Lord, that we would have that relationship for which you came to this earth. You died on a cross. You paid for our sin. God, we come now. And, and for anyone in this room or online, Lord, I pray that you would just open their hearts. And if with our heads bowed, if that's you, and you say, I'm ready to receive that peace. I'm ready to receive the everlasting Father today. Would you pray something like this? Just quietly in your heart to God. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner. I've done wrong things. I'm in need of a Savior. You died on the cross. You paid for my sin. You were buried three days later. Three days later, you rose again. And I trust you right now with my heart and soul. I need your peace. Thank you for the peace child of Jesus. Father God, be with each one of us as we respond to you this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together as we sing a closing song.
you all for coming this morning at Crossroads Ministries. We're thankful you're here. Please join us every weekend as we continue this journey to the major. Please go in peace this morning. You are dismissed. It's too great. It's too great.